السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام على بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأفضل الصلاة وتم تسليم على سيدنا ومولانا وحبيب قلوبنا محمدا وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أجمعين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد نورك الساري ومددك الجاري وجمعني به في كل يطواري وعلى آله وصحبه يا نور الحمد لله this blessed month of Sha'ban the month in which that the verse was revealed إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم عليه وعلى آله الحمد لله in the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he's permitted us to praise him and he's permitted us to mention him and to mention Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And for the believer, the mentioning of merely the name of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is sweet. And every time that we hear his name sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad, which is the name that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired his blessed mother and his grandfather to name him sallallahu alayhi wa that hoping that he would be praised here in earth, on earth. And this is exactly what has happened from his early days, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, until this very day and age. And as one of them has said, were this to be his only miracle, it would suffice. Because this is what people have been doing for centuries upon centuries, is extolling <coughs> the praises of Sayyidina Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi wa alihi wa Wasallam. And what a blessing to be able to even mention this blessed name of his, Sallallahu Alaihi wa Wasallam. We should find it sweet. And all of the other names that we hear of his وسلم, we should also say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when we hear them. Any trait that we hear of his Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we should also send salawat upon him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Alhamdulillah that he has left us upon the Muhajjat al-Bayda, the clear path. Its night is like its day. The only one that will be destroyed is the one who brings upon himself destruction. The only one that will veer from the path is someone that brings upon himself destruction. And it's a beautiful hadith. And the Prophet ﷺ that said that all people enter into paradise. Illa man aba. Everyone will enter into paradise except the one who refuses. And who refuses, Ya Rasulullah? Who would refuse? And then the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever obeys me will enter into paradise and that whoever disobeys me has refused. In other words, is that the door is open, alhamdulillah, from the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everybody will come to know who our Prophet is وسلم, on your Qiyamah. Everyone will see the Maqam al-Mahmud, the praiseworthy station that will be granted وسلم, and everybody will have wished that have lived during his time to have entered into his deen. That, oh, were I to have taken away that with the messenger. And many people are blinded while they're here in this world. There's all different types of things that blind them. And if we read the Quran carefully, we will learn about these archetypes. And then some of these archetypes prevent someone from that entering into the deen to begin with. And some of these archetypes will still be with people who believe but veil them from the higher degrees of experiential belief because that they simply just didn't get it right 
they didn't view the Prophet ﷺ in the right way. They didn't combine what needed to be combined outward and inward. So alhamdulillah that we have this blessed deen of our Prophet ﷺ. And from the beauty of this deen is that it is for the most simple of people just as it is for the most intellectual end that's sophisticated of people and everywhere in between. And one of the beautiful things that one of our teachers pointed out that in relation to the blessed character traits of the Prophet ﷺ, that if you that read books from the Greek tradition about character and about that uh, morals and ethics and the way that that was then taken on by that other religions, in particular Christianity, you will that come to the conclusion that it's for seemingly a group of elite people that do nothing else in their life except focus upon that particular way. The common folk don't seem to have access to it because it just seems like the prerequisites for it are so great. And even though that many of our great scholars, the likes of Imam Ghazali and others before him and others after him, that refined this tradition and Islamicized it, incorporated that many aspects of it into what could be called that a that ethical theory, they nevertheless <coughs> never neglected to focus on the reality of all virtues comes from and stems from Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu And everyone has equal access in that regard, mm. the most simple of people and the most sophisticated of people. So for us, always, that will be the standard. And alhamdulillah, that we have our Prophet ﷺ who clarified for us the realities of this deen and that we can still learn them. And there's nothing better in life than to spend time learning the deen of the Prophet ﷺ. It's invigorating. It brings your heart to life. It transforms you. And that one of my friends one time said, he said that, and the word for an Arabic is talaqi. It's a beautiful word. And it's very difficult to translate all of the shades of meaning into Arabic. But talaqi is essentially that you sitting before the great people of Allah and receiving everything that it is you're supposed to receive. The accuracy of the knowledge that you're receiving, the understanding of the knowledge that you're receiving and the state of your teacher. And so it's the process of taking from the great scholars and the great people of Allah <coughs> subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said that if that time passes and I don't have talaqi, he says, I feel like I'm missing something. And this is what we should have. We should have shagaf. We should always want to be in a state of learning. And one of our teachers mentioned today in relation to the greats who came before us and included that the great Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal is that he that used to that write and take notes until his later latter years. And some of them asked him that you're at this age and that you're still using the inkwell, the mahbara, because back in the day they didn't have ballpoint pens and things like we have. They had an inkwell where you dip some type of pen, like a reed pen or something into it, and then you write. And then they said, you're still with the mahbara, the inkwell, like you're still dipping your pen, you're still writing knowledge and taking down benefits and so forth. And he says, Al-Mahbara ila al-Makbara. I'm going to remain with the inkwell until I enter into the grave. Mm -hmm. And this is how we should be. Yeah. Learning has a beginning, but it never has an end. When there's no end, we can't say that, oh, I learned that for a year or for two years, and that's enough. No. We have to learn from now until the day that we meet our Lord. And part of the adab of learning 
is that when you learn a piece of knowledge that you might have learned before, is that your state of heart is the same even if you learn that same piece of knowledge 1,000 times. Mm -hmm. 1,000 times. And they say in this regard as well, is that you actually don't become learned until you learn from people that have less knowledge than you. And that if you expand your meshad and your outlook on things, is that you will find that you can learn from everyone and everything mm -hmm. around us. I remember one of our teachers used to say is that these very fans, and he pointed to the fans that were circling above him. He said, they're speaking to you that if you can understand their address. And we might not know what that is. We might not mm -hmm. understand that language, if you will. But we have to strive to learn. And in our conversation that we've been having over the past few weeks about the rights of believers, there are a few rights of the believers that are emphasized even more than the others, even though all of them are very important. And that Imam Abdullah bin Ali al-Haddad radiallahu anhu, that he says, وَمَنْ From the most emphasized rights of the believers are the following. He's going to mention three things. And he's presenting it like this because sometimes we think about rights only in the sense of that, okay, if he sends salams to you, I'm going to send salams back. And that's definitely one of the rights, and that's coming. And there are many rights, and of course that's one of them, and we should never neglect its importance. But Imam al-Haddad, after mentioning to us how we need to be internally in order to fulfill all the rights, and we've spoken about that on two different occasions, he's saying now that the most emphasized of the rights, and these are, in a sense, an obligation. They are an obligation. But... The most emphasized of those rights, mm -hmm. he said, are the following three. The first is that advice in relation to the religion. Advice in relation to the religion. You cannot have a healthy community without sincere advice, without advising one another, without helping one another in all of the meanings of advice. And the amazing thing in the Arabic language is that the word nasiha relates to the word for sincerity. Because in order for you truly to advise someone else, you have to be sincere. You have to want good for them. There can't be an ulterior motive. It can't be because you despise them or look down upon them. It has to be because you genuinely want good from them. And then this one that great right in and of itself you could speak about for a long period of time because mm -hmm. you have to start talking about all of the various etiquettes associated with advising one another and the primary way that we're supposed to be with the believers is soft gentle and merciful and it's not okay to give advice harshly if you can give it softly and gently and mercifully and in fact that Usually the great shuyukh and the great teachers give advice implicitly before they give advice explicitly. And they try to the extent possible to do it in ways where they're not directly attacking someone or to make someone feel hurt or something of that nature. But it's a sign of a healthy society, of a healthy community, of a healthy friendship, of a healthy household that people can advise each other. And we should that bring this sunnah to life. And if someone notices something 
oh, maybe it's better that we do th that this such and such a thing be done. Maybe it's better that such and such a thing be done. And that maybe someone has a particular blind spot that they don't see. We should be happy. And we should take that blessed statement of Imam Umar bin al-Khattab, which we all know, to heart, but really put into practice. Rahimullah imran la ahda ilayya ayubi. May Allah have mercy upon someone who gifts me my faults. He considered that to be a gift that someone points out one of his faults. And in fact, he would be proactive. And he would go. And there are stories of him going to Sayyidina Salman al-Farisi. That has anything that you've heard about me that's ever reached you about me. That is there anything that you find that is not okay or not good. And that the only thing that he said, the only thing that reached him was that he had two garments. One that he wears during the day and one at the night. And then that he sometimes has two idams, which is anything you eat with bread. Basically two condiments or two side dishes that he eats with his bread. And he says, as for these two things, I've already left them. Is there anything else? He says, that's all I know. Those are the things, this is the way these people were. Because they realize is that vices will transform into snakes and scorpions in Surah Salaam al-Afiyah. That when we enter into the grave, and we don't want that. And Imam Ghazali says that if someone told you in the Surah Salaam al-Afiyah, there was a scorpion on your back, and they, you would thank them, even if you didn't like that person. So bringing to life this blessed sunnah of our Prophet of mutual advice and feeling comfortable to do so and not being embarrassed to do so, not being worried about mentioning something, but there's also a way that that's done. And so it includes all of the etiquettes that have to be there. The second thing is al-mu'awana al-birri wa taqwa is that we assist one another in righteousness, in taqwa, and in piety. We need each other. And one of the greatest etiquettes is that we realize that we're in need of our brothers and sisters. And that we help one another to do what is right. We assist one another to be righteous and to do what is right. And that's done through prayer. That's done through that reaching out to each other, supporting one another. It's done by the way of advice, as was previously mentioned, and in other ways as well in maintaining our solidarity as a community, but making that an intention that we are all collectively going to work towards bir and taqwa, righteousness and piety, is that when that people come into this community, when we're exposed to people, that wherever we are, is that we want to enter people into circles of goodness. We want people to benefit. We want them to come into that a space whereby which that they can that be cured of some of the faults that they have and adorned with some of the virtues that our Prophet ﷺ that wants for his ummah. And if we make that intention and we're consciously striving to do this, Allah will facilitate it ta'ala. And then the last one he says, that we encourage one another to obey Allah, the Lord of the worlds. And that when people slip up, which they might, we're gentle and we're merciful. And one of the etiquettes is coming, that in relation to seeking forgiveness for our brothers when they slip up. But at the same time, people have to know that certain things aren't okay. Part of having a healthy community is that when people slip up, we cover their mistakes. And that we help them that overcome that particular mistake. But it's not okay to 
that let people think that everything's okay to do. No. There are certain things, acts of disobedience are not okay. And we have to help one another that rid ourselves of that. And anyone who is open-hearted that will appreciate that. Because any true believer can't that be happy with mistakes that they're making or disobedient acts of disobedience that they're falling into. So we have to encourage one another. And that one of the most amazing things, and we'll end on this point, is that if you look at the society of the Sahaba, is that they had such a degree of what was mentioned here in Amr bin Ma'ruf and Nahan al-Munkar, is that they would even move down into the details. Such as Sayyidina Umar bin al-Khattab, that when he was on his deathbed after having been stabbed, and he sees a young man come into his presence who was wearing his trousers in a way that, that wasn't appropriate. As he looked at him, and even though that he is close to death, he advised him to lift up his pants and to wear his pants in a certain way that was closer to that the sunnah of our Prophet And that attention to detail shows the degree to which the Sahaba that already had so many things in place that they would advise on matters of as such. And it also shows as well how that when you and I that are with our children, for instance, there's only so much that our children are going to listen to us. But when we see each other's children, is that we should also be open-hearted and want others to advise our own children. And if anyone in the community sees our children doing something, that maybe there's something better that they could do, that we should welcome advice. And we all have heard many, many times before that it takes an entire village to raise a child, and there's a lot of truth in that. And so that if we help one another to do that, ourselves, our families, our children, and our fellow brothers and sisters, that beautiful things will emerge and beautiful things will come. And this is what we want. We want to live together in a way where we help each other be upright so that we can seek the fruits of that what true religious practice leads to in the next world. And this is ultimately the goal. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us in all of our affairs. Amen. And bless us, Ya Arhamar Rahmin, to put into practice what it is that we know in a way that is pleasing to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to adorn us with all different types of virtues. And bless us in this month of Sha'ban. And bless us, Ya Arhamar Rahmin, to prepare for the blessed month of Ramadan. We ask you, Ya Arhamar Rahmin, to bless us to prepare for the blessed month of Ramadan. Prepare us, Ya Arhamar Rahmin, for the blessed month of Ramadan. Allah Rasulullah Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin